Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. This episode was recorded on Sunday the 18th of December as part of the Celtic State of Mind Charity Weekender. The Charity Weekender was done to raise funds for St Mary's Church, the birthplace of Celtic. A charity single was released by The Wakes called The Glory and the Dream. We're about to play that song for you. If you like it, please download it to raise funds for St Mary's. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hail, hail. by a number of Catholics in the east end of the city. The main objective of the club is to supply the east end conferences of the St Vincent de Paul Society to support those in the missions of St Mary's, Sacred Heart and St Michael's. Many cases of sheer poverty are left unaided through lack of means. A football club will be formed for the maintenance of the dinner tables of our needy children. G'day legends, it's the boys from Celtic Down Under joining in for our part of the Celtic State of Mind Charity Weekender. Um, first of all, I want to start off, what a belter of a song that is. What do you reckon, Shane? Yeah, cracking tune. I uh, really like it, really enjoyable. Um, good tune. And Liam, how you doing, mate? What are your yeah. thoughts on the song? 
that that was amazing. You know, the the the, the song's great, but also, um, you know, considering that I'm going back to to Glasgow for the first time in three years this this later this week, uh, that was a bit of an emotional trip as well. Looking at all those sites that I've I've not seen for a long time, and I'm looking forward to showing to the wife for the first time. Happy days, mate. So, um, yeah, just those if you can, if you haven't already done so, just um, go get it, download the the single, raise some funds for the. Uh, you know, for St Mary's, like we're trying to do, everyone's getting involved, and yeah, it's a great, great um thing, and it's an honour to be part of this yet again. So thanks to Paul and the team at Axon. So what we'll do is we'll crack on with the uh, usual things. So I just wanted to, uh, before we get on, a little bit of a uh, thing here. You know what, Liam? This is episode. Yeah. This is the 150th actual podcast that Celtic Down Under has done, and it's part of yeah. Axon, so it's tied in really well here. So. I noticed that today, so happy days. So, um, yeah, what we'll do is we'll we'll get into it. Celtic won Aberdeen nil. What was your take on the game, Shane? Uh, a little bit of rinse and repeat of what we've seen before. Um, you know, just dominating with the ball. Um, Aberdeen really happy to let us have the ball. We'll probably discuss that a little bit later. I won't jump ahead to that. Um you know, we were getting into good areas. First half, I really felt we were lacking that that kind of final ball, that cutting pass into the final third or or playing someone in. Um, the only real chance or chance I can remember from that uh, first half was the, the Hatate one, which drew the um, pretty good reaction save um, from the Aberdeen keeper. Second half, we looked a lot more clinical um, and I thought the introduction of a couple of players was crucial to that. Um, it looked like we were actually getting that, we were creating those chances which we weren't in the first half and we just actually couldn't put them away, the, the obvious one being the Kyogo chance uh, that he should have put away and we didn't. And then up steps, um, you know, Captain Fantastic, Cal Mack. Um, it was good to see him on his return um, and uh, it was really fitting that he actually um, scored that goal to, um, to break the deadlock and get us the three points. Yeah, we're going to talk on Kelmake a bit later on. But, yeah, for me, like, the lineup is pretty much what we expected. So, Hart and Goals, you got your Taylor, Starfelt, Cardavickers, Ralston, Tade, O'Reilly, McGregor in the midfield, Kyogo, Jota, Days Mad up front. So, I think it was pretty much we knew what we we're going to do. We we're going to try and get out there and score, just put the pressure on them and just wear them down. And the um, tying into what we were saying about Kelmake there, Shane. So, there was the stat that Kelmac had more passes than the whole Aberdeen team combined yesterday. Unbelievable effort from him. Liam, what your take mm-hmm. overall on Kelmac's return? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. But I, I, I'd just like to start off by offering my uh, my condolences to any um, family pet, sibling or spouse that was booted around about the 85th minute when that goal went in. And I realise that in a Ranger supporting household that might be one person, but, you know, just putting it out there. Um, yeah. I I really enjoyed that yesterday. Um, it was one of those games where my dad and I watched it together, and we kind of took different different kind of uh, takes on it because he was kind of like, "Oh no, this this isn't happening today. The team's flat. It's just not happening." And I was like, "No, a goal's going to come. A goal's going to come." And then bang, it comes. And I just said to him, "I said, Do you hear that faint sound? I said, That's a thousand tellies being kicked in in frustration." <laughs> The funny thing is, though, we used to say it, and here comes the uh, Brendan Rogers Claxton, but when we had him, we always were like, 
oh, it doesn't matter. We'll score that goal in the last 20 minutes. And under Ange, it's like, yeah. I'm not worried. If it gets to the last 10 minutes, I'm like, yep, I'm, there's goals coming. There's always goals in this team. So it doesn't surprise me at all that we got it. No. It's great to see Kelmax return. He's um, such an instrumental part of what we do, and it actually balances out our midfield a lot better there. But, yeah, I'm just glad he's back. Um, I think he's actually back quicker than I, I thought he would be overall. So, if anything, the World Cup break come in handy for him to make sure he could get get up to speed and be back playing. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Now, Liam, you got your Japanese top on. Mm. We've got the World Cup final. I'm going to use that as a segue because it's a very bad segue, but anyway. <laughs> What's your thoughts going into the uh, World Cup final? Um, there's It's one of those games where what do I think will happen versus what do I want to happen? Uh, I think France are probably going to win it because they've been the best, the most consistent team at the tournament. But I would absolutely love to see Argentina win it just to settle once and for all this whole Messi versus Ronaldo dispute. Um, allow Messi to take his his rightful position as the the true heir to Maradona, and just uh, and bring a World Cup home for Argentina. I really would just love to see that happen. But um, you know. I think that in, I think that France, the only time they've looked even remotely troubled in this whole tournament has been when they played England. Um, forgetting that they played a reserve team when they when they get beat by Tunisia, you know. But um, but I, I, the only time they've ever really looked in trouble to me was when they played England, um, and even then, it was never really in much doubt. I thought. Um, so Argentina have been up and down throughout the whole tournament, but they've got there. And uh, I did say on our World Cup preview show a while ago that uh, after the Saudi-Argentina match, I said the last time Argentina lost their first game, they ended up going to the final. So it's happened again. Um, yeah. must... I hope Argentina will win it. I think France will win it, to sum it up. Yeah, I'll just look at it, and I'm going to cut Shane off here and say that from a purely Australian point of view, it's the final of the two teams that beat Australia at the World Cup. So there you go. I... I think France is a better overall team with more depth, but yeah, as you're saying, Liam, hopefully we can get a a win for Messi, which will put that, as you said, the final nail in the coffin of the Messi v Ronaldo. Who are you hoping, Shane? Ah, much the same. Uh, Head says France. uh, Hart says Argentina and Messi. So no, it says Colombia, right? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I had to go there. <laughs> We've got a comment here in the uh in the in the here for you, Shane, from Tony Cassidy. So young Shane, was that you that belted the goalie yesterday? Uh, I wasn't I wasn't gonna bring this up, but I kinda have to. Those who haven't seen there's been a disgraceful incident over here in the A League in the Melbourne Derby. The game was called off after twenty one minutes of play with Melbourne City up one nil because the protest about the grand final thing being moved um, turned ugly. Flares were thrown. Player uh, fans jumped the crowd. Supposed fans and belted the ref, belted the goalkeeper, threw a threw a bucket into his face actually. And um, yeah, absolute shambolic situation over here. So yeah, not not ideal. Not a good look and um, massive black eye for football in Australia. But. Yeah, just get on the front foot and say, as a Melbourne Victory member myself, 
those people who did that, they don't represent the the majority of our fans. They don't represent anything that I want to be associated with as a football fan in Australia. Well said, Jared, and completely agree. I um, completely and utterly condemn what happened yesterday. Uh, anyone who partook in that, um, they're not true Melbourne Victory fans and they don't represent or stand for anything that I stand for and um, I don't want them as part of the club. But back to the Celtic, which is what we're here for, just wanted to do that because I saw the, as soon as I saw the first comment there, I'm like, yeah, it had to be addressed before it gets a can, bit messy. Can I, can I, can I say just for, to assure Tony, it wasn't me. I wasn't involved. <laughs> I mean, just I'll, I'll be jovial for a second. Um, if you look at look at me, I don't think I can lift the metal bucket, let alone hurl it to start with. So don't um, worry, Shane. I was going to make the same comment. Glover's six foot five. <laughs> the goalkeeper's about so that's that's who got hit. The guy hitting him with the bucket was at least six foot two. You're not that. So yeah, you're all good. <laughs> You're safe there, mate. Not even close. But anyway, we'll get back to the Celtic stuff we're talking about. So off the back of the result against Aberdeen, are we now expecting teams to just – are teams just going to be parking the bus against us for the rest of the season? What are your thoughts on that, Shane? Well, this, this is what I was a bit surprised at. I can't remember the last time I've seen Aberdeen at Pataudry against – us or anyone else for that matter, uh, just set up the way they did yesterday. So defensively, the low block, not interested in coming out, just containing. It, it felt unusual. I'm used to seeing that when we'd go and play the likes of Livy, but for Aberdeen to do it particularly at Pataudry was just, I was a little bit caught by surprise from it. And it was a case of, and we touched on it earlier, I think Liam touched on it really well. You did kind of feel the goal was coming because we were wearing them down. It, it felt like they couldn't contain that shape. They couldn't contain that concentration. And in the second half, it did start to open up a fair bit for us. In terms of your overall question, I'm not sure. Um, I think there's definitely an argument that sitting back and putting everyone behind the ball does frustrate us in the way that we play. But then... They kind of, I don't think they give themselves any opportunity if they play exactly the way Aberdeen yesterday uh, did yesterday. They don't give themselves any opportunity to actually punish us. They, and, they didn't create anything. And off the back of that, Shane, that's what I found most confusing about the game. Like, you're coming off a World Cup break. Our rhythm's not going to be where it, where it should be. You know we like to press, but they've played some pretty attractive football, Aberdeen, so far this season. And then at home, after the break where they've had so long to work on work on things and, you know, set plays that they want to do and formation adjustments or whatever, they've had all this time to work on it to then come out and park it that deep and give us that much possession. You'd normally think when a team does sit deep, then they try to come out and play and loosen it, the shackles a little bit for the last 15, 10, 15 minutes of the game and try and at least score a goal and then park the bus even further, right? They didn't even try that because by that time, if they tried it at 10 minutes, last 10 minutes to do it when it was still nil all, you have a look at it and we were still, we were in, in our rhythm that much that they had no chance of getting their foot on the ball and even doing anything. So 
I found it really confusing for Mabadine. I was not expecting that, especially when their chairman is constantly coming out saying, oh, we need to be on the attack. We need to be on the front foot. And that's the way that they want to play as a club. And then they come out and do that. Kaiser in the comments is saying they were playing Lennon Ball versus Barca. Exactly. And the difference here, though, is the difference between us and Aberdeen at their best is nowhere near as good as Lenny's team back then. It's as much, I mean, as Lenny's team back then and that Barca team at their best. So to me, that's a little odd. But what do you think, Liam? Yeah, I, I just, um, I think that you, you raise a very good point there about this being the first post-World Cup fixture. Um, if there's ever a time to have a go at Celtic, that's the time to do it. I mean, you look at what Hibs did the other night against Rangers. Now, granted, they, they lost the game in the end, but they had a right go, and they were unlucky. You know, there was the, the usual, the the, the, the 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 VAR decision that went the way we all know it was going to go. But, you know, um, I do think that they showed that coming off a, of a long break like that, you get something if you go out and have a go. And I'll bet those Hibs fans losing 3-2 the other night went home a hell of a lot happier than the Aberdeen fans did yesterday. Despite the fact that ultimately they're both in the same boat, they both lost by one goal. But one of them had a goal. The other ones, it was a constant damage limitation exercise. It was absolutely murder to watch. Off the back of that though, Liam, as well, you've got to look at it and go, okay, it's coming in the Christmas, the cost of living issues. People are spending 20, 30 quid a ticket. To go out, yeah. if you were a Hibs fan, at least you've seen a football game where teams have gone out, scored and played. You haven't gone yeah. and watched your team, spent that much money to go watch your team play anti-football, sit in the box and do nothing. So, yeah, if I was an Aberdeen fan, I'd, uh, you know, probably punch myself in the face because it would be more enjoyable. Well, I would say is I do hope they keep it up for one more game because it will probably work against Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah. And Sid in the comments, half empty stands, parked buses. I wonder why Sky don't show more games. Mm. Says it I all. Mean, that was the thing. They weren't even like you know. You're thinking if you're sitting deep and and you know you're hoofing the ball forward, you're going to fight for those second balls. You're going to try and recover the ball further up the pitch and set up. And countless times that wasn't happening. They weren't even really fighting for those second balls. They were just happy to get it out of the area and sort of set up again. Like, it was almost as if at times they were defending a 1-0 lead. Like, you listen to the presser on, like, the BBC podcast and stuff like that, and their manager's coming out going, oh, yeah, we it got to the 80th minute and we could have, and it would have been, would have been happy to settle for a point. You had a point at the start of the game. Like, it was nil all at the start of the game, like, at least come play some football. Like I don't get the whole thought process on why you would play that way. Now, bringing that back to other teams for the rest of the season, which was what the question I asked, was I can understand a team like Livy or a team like St Mirren or, you know, teams that don't have anywhere near the sort of budgets that even an Aberdeen has. But, like, that just makes no sense to me. Like, Dundee United will probably play more footy, like try and play more football, use the Aussie term there, footy. Sorry, guys. And um, they'll probably come out and play a bit more football against us than Aberdeen will. So, mm. yeah, it's just it's just odd. Yeah, and the thing is as well, like um, to address the point of the rest of the season, 
I think other teams probably would have approached games against against us and against Rangers with that mentality that um, you know it's a damage limitation exercise. But such has the almost universal backlash been against Aberdeen since yesterday, and the mockery from other supports that I don't think other teams will be allowed to do that. I don't think their fans will will accept it. Um, because it wasn't just the fact that Aberdeen lost yesterday; it was it was the fact that they never even came close to to creating a chance against us. Um, and it's just pathetic. It reminds me of um, it goes back to Craig Levine. I remember it was maybe when Craig Levine was managing Hearts, got about ten fifteen years ago. They lost two 0 to Celtic at Celtic Park, but it was a very similar type of game. Ten men behind the ball, constant negativity, barely beyond their own halfway line the entire game. And Craig Levine came into his post-match interview and said, that's a great result because teams will come here and lose by more than two. Now, I... From that day on, he lost the heart support. I think it was another, another six months before he got sacked, but he lost yeah. the heart support that night because they were like, how can somebody be that negative with what was at the time the third biggest team in Scotland? I just want to um, touch on a couple of things in the comments here. So Kaiser has said that no one wants to come out and get beaten, but the league is the only league that Ange has been in where people don't replicate his football. They just defend. It's pitiful. Not 100% correct because of the salary cap over here in the A-League, there's some teams that don't have the depth because you've got your marquee players that are paid outside the cap here, the salary cap. So because some clubs don't have that, others do. So there's certain teams over in our league in Australia that do like to sit deep and try and hit you on the counter. They used to do that all the time, especially um, when Ange was at Brisbane, you had Graham Arnold was at Central Coast and his teams were notorious for kicking lumps out of your shins and um, trying to hit you on the counter and win 1-0. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that's necessarily correct, but I get your point. And then Martin Heaney in the comments says, I do think that if Starfeld hadn't been a switched on all game as he was, they might have sneaked a decent chance. Well done to the big man. It's great to see mm. some Starfeld love. Like, he copped powders so much and it was all, all over the place. And I do think that him alongside Carter Vickers is our best centre-back pairing. And, yeah, yeah, it's good to have that. I just wish Sean was on here to get his response to that comment. Nice. <laughs> no, well, seeing Sean's not here today, we're, we're praising stuff, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Well, just uh, just because you mentioned the, the Aberdeen situation again, just to give you a bit more context, you obviously mentioned the comment about Calmac and the passing. One of the comments that came up in the broadcast, unless I was mistaken or heard incorrectly, was that Calmac, um, during a point of the game, had notched up the most passes that any player had made during a, an SPFL match this season. And I looked at the time and it was the 63rd minute. It's, it's like, that's just yeah, staggering. Says it all. You is, know. is the metronome that makes us tick. There you go. Uh, do you know, I noticed that with Kalmak yesterday, though. He was getting forward a lot more than he usually does. I mean, it, it's never nice to be out injured, but I do wonder if the extended rest period has kind of refreshed him as a player as well. He looked like he hadn't missed a beat. He just came in and it was just the same Calmac we're used to, just buzzing around, dropping between the centre halves to collect, show for the ball. He he literally, you would not have known that he'd been out for such an extended period of time the way he ran out that match. I get what Liam's saying, though, in that, you know, it's probably the first time we've seen Calmac not having played 60 games in the season because he's had a bit of a break now. 
and you know he's not carrying something whether it's a broken nose or cheekbones or whether it's a knee or some sort of knock or whatever because he's playing so many minutes like it's great to see that you know he's back fit and healthy and who knows we haven't seen this level from Kelmack in a long time so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out yeah so if teams are expected to park the bus against us going forward what do you think we need to do when teams do this from a tactics point of view should we be bringing in another striker number 10 and changing formations or do you guys think I want to get the comments on this as well is or do we need to or do you think we still have enough in the team to be able to overwhelm our opponents and work out and grind out results the way we have been hope that made sense okay to you Liam yeah I um I think we're okay with what we've got because I think if you look at yesterday's game all right the goal came quite late on but there was a noticeable change in our in terms of our assertiveness going forward as soon as Abada came on yeah so Maeda's a different type of player wasn't really his game yesterday although he did put in a great shift as he always does and then uh, Abada came on and it just opened up so and I think, you know, going down the other side of the pitch when Haksabanovic is is fit, you can do the same with Haksabanovic and Jota, potentially. Um, you can switch it up. Uh, you know, Haksabanovic can also drop inside and play that number 10 role. Um, you know, you've got Hatate and O'Reilly both capable of getting a goal when they get forward, as is Karl Mark, as we saw yesterday. Um, no, I, I, I just think it was a case of uh, we were off... We were slightly off form yesterday. A bit rusty, I think, coming back from a, a long break. Um, Aberdeen showed no no ambition whatsoever. And in the end of the day, football won. And football will hopefully always win. And uh, I think that we have, in a domestic capacity certainly, we have got more than enough to see out this, this league championship quite comfortably. Um, so, no, I, you know, I expect Ange will add a couple of players in January because... You know, we never stop. That is his mantra. But um, I do think that we already have enough to get things sorted domestically as, as it is. What do you reckon, Shane? Yeah, I had to think about it. And um, I agree with Liam. I think we've we've got what we need. I, I'm not necessarily convinced we need, we're in desperate need to bring anything in or bring anyone in to, to um, help combat teams setting up this way. I think uh, I'm glad that Liam touched on Abada because I wholeheartedly agree that there was a significant shift uh, after halftime when he came on. We just looked so much more direct. Everything was coming down his side, really, particularly early on in that second half. Linked up well with Ralston. So I thought Ralston had an excellent game as well, and he linked up with Abada very well in that second half. But Abada really was the one actually making things happen. You know, that first half, we were just off a ta- we were just off a pace. We, we weren't able to get that final ball in. We weren't able to find anybody. Abada was doing that. He was making himself available. He was getting into dangerous areas. He was putting the ball across for someone to nod it in. He was making things happen. And so we have the luxury of being able to have those players that we can actually bring off the bench to do that. The, probably the area of concern for me at the moment, there's two. Um, probably up front. Um, look, I don't doubt Kyogo, and he, he's. I think he's one goal off actually 
you know, being the top of the SPFL, you know, leading scorers, right? So, you know, it seems, seems a bit harsh to have a go at him. But there's just been a couple of times now where he's had a few clear-cut chances, which it's he's just, just wasteful, sort of plucked his lines on. Just, yeah, well, I mean, it, it was yesterday. Yeah, that that was that was one yesterday, and I, I feel I feel bad having a go at him. It almost feels like you know shooting Bambi a little bit, but you know we probably need to be a little bit more clinical there. The other one, and and I I thought about this a lot, and then I sort of backed off it a bit. So I really around the number ten role, Jared. You've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast. Really missing Tommy Rogic this season. Um, I'm giving O'Reilly a little bit of an out just because of the fact he had to drop deep when Calmac or was the chosen option to drop deep when Calmac went out. So he hasn't really had a lot of exposure playing either as that number 10 or as the two eights with Atate pushing up. But I'd like to see how we go with him um, and whether he can really fill that Tom Rogic role that we need where, you know, Tom could Tom could pick a pass. Tom, that game yesterday was perfect for Tom. That that was the kind of Tom Rogic game for me where you'd have him in that role and he's the one to play that defense splitting pass. He's the one play, playing Kyogo in. He's the one playing Jota in so he can nod it across for Kyogo or Jakamakis. And so I want to I'm gonna give him a little bit of an out for now because I don't think he's had enough time there this season. But, you know, to counter my own point, because for some reason I like to argue with myself, um, one of the things I heard on the broadcast uh was that I think O'Reilly's had the most shots uh, in the Premier League this season without actually scoring, which I think is up to 35 now, unless I'm mistaken. So we're missing probably those goals coming from those outside uh, the front three as well. So if we can improve on that, um, that would go a long way to helping combat or at least make, make it more threatening. That would help go a long way to combating teams who sit deep against us. But general consensus is we've got what we need. Yeah, I think for the league, yeah, definitely got enough players in the squad there. Um, I don't think we need to change the formation because Ange doesn't like doing that. It's more, what's his plan? Plan A. If that doesn't work, you do plan A but better. So I think there's a few little tinkers we could make. Like we keep saying that, you know, we um, we need a third striker, but then we also keep saying that is not a striker. A lot of our fans were saying that before the World Cup. We were saying he on is. our we were saying on our pod that he is a striker, yeah. and that it's basically him being pigeonholed in so that he can get games because we only play with the one one striker up front. It's either Kyogo or Jakamaka. So putting him on the wing is him just doing a job for us. We've seen at the World Cup, Maeda is a striker, so we've got the options. We've got enough wingers. I don't think we need to do that. For me, it's still we need that quality number six because I would love to see Kelmack released a bit more. I think that's our biggest issue at the moment, but not necessarily for the league. In the league, we're fine. I'm talking about for next next season and going forward. And as you said, we never stop. We want to evolve. We want to be, as Andrew said, there's going to be constant churn. Your favourites are going to leave. They're going to move on. Other guys are going to come in, and off we go, and then we go again. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Just reading a comment here from Pado. The stat, most shots without scoring in the SPFL actually relates to Aaron Moy. Mm. There you go, Shane. Apparently. Really? Yeah, but anyway, we'll, um, yeah, Paddy Lavery saying we need a keeper. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. I don't think the formation, like Ange has played 
uh, four, like four at the back, two, two, two. He has done that before, so maybe he could bring that in because, like the formation we're playing now, he played a ver- when he was at Brisbane, he played the four, two, three, one. When he was at Melbourne Victory, he played the four, two, 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 and then he went to Japan and he just did what he did over there. Played very similar to what we're doing now, so four three three. So he's constantly evolving his game and the way he wants to do it. But I'm thinking once once uh, Kobayashi is available to come in, Ange does love his players to be able to switch the ball, a nice long diagonal ball. So if we can put Kelmack as one of the two sixes or the or actually the two eights, we'd call it one's a six, one's eight, hold it, one can release a bit. We can play him in there. Then you got two tens, but the problem we've got doing that is who do you put in there? Because there's no Rogic there, so do you play O'Reilly in one and Hatade in the other? Do you play, or put Haksabanovic into one of them, or do you put Kyogo, Kyogo up front with Jack and Marcus, or do you put Kyogo in Maeda up front and press some teams crazy? You know, there's plenty of options. That formation may work with the squad we've got as well. So, yeah, we'll um, we'll see how that goes. But he will change up formations if required. But I don't think he's going to do it on a um. And a women of prayer, basically. No, definitely not. So we were just touching on transfers. So I just said my bit with the transfer window now approaching us. What's your January wish list? Let's be silly for a second, okay? Because this has been a little too a little bit too <laughs> professional for this podcast. <laughs> let's just say let's just pretend for a second that like a, a random shake has come in and he's like absolutely loaded out the wazoo and he doesn't really care how much money we spend if we could sign three players pick three players to fill, fill two spots in our team which would make us a, at another level in Europe for next season have a think on that and tell us what you who you would want to sign and then mm. I'll I'll go first just for fun, right? Go on. I would be wanting I was saying about that defensive midfielder that I want, right? I'd be wanting Milinc- Milinkovic Savic, who's at Lazio, the Serbian defensive midfielder. I'd be wanting him. That's my number one mm. priority for us. He's a midfield destroyer who is an amazing skills with the ball at his feet. The other bloke I'd be wanting to sign um, I just lost his name. I'm looking at a goalkeeper more than anything. Matty Ryan? Not Matty Ryan. Uh, I'll, I'll come out with a bell. Let you guys go with what you're thinking and I'll try too, and get the other person. Too, too soon on the Matty Ryan thing, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he's all right. Um, I'm just thinking for crazy money. I'd be, um, just for a laugh, let's get Loris Carrius in. Yeah, you know, goalkeeper who can use I his he feet. Was, I thought he was a character in Julius Caesar. I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's plenty of good, plenty of good German goalkeepers. I'd go look for one of them, to be honest with you. Mm. But uh, Liam, what are you thinking? Um, I actually think one that we've been linked to recently, which I'd really like to see, is the the South Korean striker Choge Sung, um, because he's got a bit more physicality about him than likes of Kyogo, but he's pretty much as fast. And he's six foot two. 
So he gives us that that height that we're kind of missing as well. Because for all Jakimakis is a big guy, he doesn't really command the box the way that like a Chris Sutton or a John Hartson ever would, you know. And I think looking at the goals that that, that Sung scored at the World Cup, he could do that, you know. I mean, he, he out jumped uh, some you know some pretty big guys in that Guinean defence when they scored those two goals. So um, yeah, I would like to see I'd like to see us get him. And he's a realistic one. And what about a silly one then? A silly one? Uh, well, has Cristiano Ronaldo signed for that Saudi mob yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, because I wouldn't actually sign him. I would let Rangers sign him because the guy will sabotage wherever he goes. So. <laughs> I was about to boo you until you said that last bit, Liam. So I'm still yes. a little yeah. befuddled. But anyway, <laughs> Shane, you got Shane, you got a proper one. First, yeah. Um, although you may not see it, I'll, I'll go two proper ones because one may not be proper. Um, and it's one you've actually brought up before, Jared. I'm I'm looking more inward, uh, so A League wise, the two that I would like from the A League that I think would actually really work um, with Ange at Celtic, uh, Chris Economides, uh, the big winger for Melbourne Victory, who's just starting to come back into form after a sort of injury and interrupted uh, past season. But also uh, from Melbourne City, Marco Tilio. Uh, he's just a little little pocket rocket, and I just love the way he plays. And he's got creativity to burn, and you can you can put him on, and you know he's going to make something happen. So they're probably my two realistic ones. Just on Tilio for a second, Shane. I'm gonna yep. You know what me and my brother call Tilio? A short Arzani. No. He, well, very similar. Yeah, they are very similar. Um, but we didn't see really much similar. of Arzani. I, I, I reckon Tilio is quicker than Arzani, but that might yeah. be sort of clutching. No, I'm talking about the picking. Talking about the playing style, mate. Yeah, they, they. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But I'd love to see Tilio in a Celtic. Oh yeah, Celtic kit. No, so and new... if Bernabe doesn't work out, we can get Jason Davidson over from um, no. the Belgian company he's at at the moment. No. No, not happy. He's he's the sort of guy that collects jerseys. You have him for a season. What's the point? We're trying to build something long term. I don't see the point on that I one. I don't know. I, I I think I think we I think Ange would would be able to turn his head and and keep him around. But he is thirty one now, so I mean it's we're probably not going down that route anyway. Yep. The one that was probably unrealistic for me, um, the chap from Shakhtar Donetsk that absolutely played a blinder against us, Mudrick. Oh yeah, yeah. That he was class. fantastic, and uh, I'd love to get him over because he would, he would uh, work wonders under Ange in the system. Hmm. Fair enough. Just to go off a serious one for me, then I'd be. Um, if we're going to go with ones over here in the A League. Bloody Andrew Galea just got beat me to it in the comments. The only <laughs> Aussie would be Keanu Bacchus. I'd be getting. I'd be trying to get him from St Mirren. Is someone I'd be looking at as well, who's over already in Scotland in the area, has can do it in there, but he wouldn't really. I don't know if he'd be good enough to help us in in Europe. Um. Okay, one that could potentially wages will be stupid, not going to happen. I know all this stuff, but we can only dream. Bring back Musa. There you go, done. Mm. There's a striker for us. 
And then well, if we're talking then... fantasy ones, another one that I'd like would be, uh, I think I mentioned him before, is the Russian midfielder Denis Cheryshev. That guy's a class act. And he's uh, not getting a game at Venezia at the moment, so he'll probably be available. Yeah, but the question on that is, if he's not getting the game there, how far off is he going to be with Andrew's standards that you need to be fitness-wise? That's the, that's the issue, isn't it? Yep. So anyway, um, is there anyone in Japan, Liam? In the J League, that you think, who's the next the um, next couple of players you think Andrew will be looking at over there? To be honest, I'm not actually sure at the moment. I need to sit down and I've not actually had to, with the World Cup. You know, I've not had time to really study the stats from this season's J League. But um, if we're talking Japanese players, a guy who is well on in years now, but would be a great presence to have if we could get him on a free whatever, would be Yuto Nagatomo. I mean, he's I think he's 36 now. But he's still got such an engine. Um, would be a great sort of a a Colo Touri type figure, I think. Just a great guy to have in the dressing room, even if he's not playing every week. And the guy's attitude is just phenomenal. Um, the passion that, that if, if anybody's seen the YouTube video of his like, pre-match speech before Japan played Spain, look it up. Even you don't even need to understand Japanese to get the the passion of what is coming out in the guy's voice. It's it's phenomenal. Um, he's a cracker. Another good one is um, playing in Germany at the moment with, I think it's Freiburg, uh, Junior Ito. Um, winger. But um, kind of a different type of winger to what we see from from uh, from Maeda or Abada, though. He's, he's slower, but he's got more skill. He's more of a James Forrest type, good at taking a man on and beating him. Um, hits a lovely cross. Uh, got a good shot on him as well. Um, just a good all-round player. Um, I've seen him play about four or five times for Japan. And I've yet to see him have a bad game. Only issue is I think he's 29 now, so he's he's probably as good as he's going to get. So the question of whether he can make that step up for the Champions League is a bit of an issue. I just come up with one, Shane, in the A-League, one for the future. You know how all the talk's been around the um, the brothers coming out of Central Coast? And one's just yeah, Qualls, the Qualls, Qualls, yeah. The next one in that sort of line that I'd love us to look at, even though he's, he's only 16, so he's one you'd have to sign, stash over here for a couple of years till he's 18 and can come over, would be yeah. Nestori Irankunda from Adelaide United. 16-year-old winger, plays for the Australian under-17 national team. I think physically he's he's ready to go. It's um yeah I think he'll be he'd be one for the future it'd be worth looking at as well. Young definitely, kid, but definitely um, worth looking in the A League and and yeah. lower leagues here. That's for sure. He's one that if you can't get Tilio, he'd be the one I'd sign as a long term prospect. Yep. But don't play him because you won't be able to bring him over, which means he's good. He'll avoid going to the Colts or the B team. He'll play in the A League for a few years, so he'll get that fifty odd, at least fifty odd games under him. Get him early. Learning under the likes of Craig Goodwin as well, who's uh, yep. who's been fantastic. Exactly. All right. So, which players, though, off the back of we're talking about players we like to come in, which players do you think we would anticipate moving on either in the window now or at the end of the season? I'm going to rattle off the two for me is Itaguchi. I think his time's up. Sorry, Liam. And, no, um, I think you're right. And McCarthy. Those two. They're just clogging the clogging up the wage bill. So those would be the two that I'd 
I think would be the priorities. And Scott Robinson seems to have put his foot in his mouth, so he can he can disappear just as much yeah. too. Uh, Anything else, boys? No, it's a hard it's a hard lesson to learn. Oh yeah. Mm. You you don't. Want uh, well, the, sorry, Jared. No, I'm like <laughs> you don't want that. You don't want to be upset and upset without nut. No. What were you um, going to say, Shane? No, I, I would. Sorry, Shane, you go ahead. I, we're probably going to lead into a chat about this, but uh, Juranovic, I think, is the one I think we can add to that list. And I think we can probably add to him um, going in the next, uh, this window coming up. That ties mm-hmm. into the next topic, so we'll use that as a segue. Off the back hey. of Juranovic's performances <laughs> at the World Cup, do. Performances at a World Cup or a Euro Championship or Copa America or whatever, Asian Cup, do those performances affect the players' overall value if you were to sell them or is it all about what they do in the Champions League? What are your thoughts on that, Liam? I think they're about equal to each other because they're both global tournaments with a global viewing audience. Um, You know, anybody... I mean, for example... I, I. um, my dad was telling me during the, the Japan-Croatia uh, game at half-time how Alan Shearer was absolutely raving about Maeda and had never actually really seen him play before. And I thought, well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, Alan Shearer wouldn't necessarily sit down and watch a Celtic Champions League game, but he'll watch pretty much every game at the World Cup because that's the thing. with The, the difference with the Champions League is that you tend to watch the teams you're interested in. Whereas with the World Cup, I just I watch every game if I can. I just I, I love watching all these wee teams that I, I would never. I mean, when else am I going to watch Ecuador or Saudi Arabia or South Korea or whatever? You know, when when is that ever going to happen? And um, I think that's that's the beauty of it, and that's where I think it. I don't think it does that much for players that are already in in established Champions League markets, for example. Players that are playing for England, playing for Portugal, playing for Germany, France, Spain, we know how good they are already, right? Because we've seen them play in the Champions League. But it's, like I say, it's your Saudi Arabia, your Morocco, Korea, Japan. Um, Teams are not necessarily going to have that many players in the Champions League at the moment. I mean, that Korean striker I just rhymed off, he plays for Jungbok Motors in the K-League, who, last time I checked, I think were semi-professional. So, you know, um, that's the the kind of how, how wide you cast the net when you watch the World Cup. Um, it, you probably have a, a better guarantee of quality if you're signing a player that's performed in the Champions League because he's proved it. But I think the World Cup is better for increasing awareness of players in unfancied markets or with unfancied teams. Um I mean, look at it this way. Uh, Celtic's own Lubo Moravchik got his move to France off the back of uh, doing very well for Czechoslovakia in, I think it was the 1990 World Cup when they got to the quarterfinals. Um, and we all know how good he turned out to be. So, Make a good point there. We've got some comments here as well that I just want to bring up. So uh, you've got Tony's agreeing with what you were just saying there. 
Um, we're talking about just before about who do we anticipate moving on. Ewan Boy Martin says Turnbull has only 18 months left on his contract. Is he doing enough to get a new contract or should we sell him? Uh, I think mm. I said last season that I couldn't see Turnbull or and both Turnbull and Rogic still being with us this season. I thought Rogic would have hung around and Turnbull would have left. So, yeah, I can see him moving on at the end of the season. Um. Yeah, so when you we're going through here, there's gems out there, which is uh, and Tony Cassidy saying that Ange would have been watching Cho before the World Cup, which is actually it's come out and it's been announced like through Cho's family and that that yeah he was being in talks with Celtic before the World Cup. It looks like we're being outbid on wages there. So oh bugger yeah, but I hope he wants to come for Ange gets, actually gets to talk to him. I'm sure he could sell him on the project, but Ange doesn't want to sell the job. Solid. If you want to come to Celtic, you'll come along. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think World Cups probably do add more value. I can't remember the last time I watched the Champions League game that I didn't really care about at all. So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Um, off the back of that, though, yeah, Granovic, when he goes, I think that would have put a few extra million onto his price, hopefully. None of this five million rubbish we're seeing reported for – that was it Torino or something are coming in for, for which for which toe which toe is that five million for? That's all I have to say. <laughs> How many weeks do you want them on loan for that? Exactly, no chance of that. But yeah, as we said, we've got Ralston's ready to go. We've got Johnson ready to come in as and push Ralston for that jersey. So we're all good if he was to move on. Honestly, I think it'll be Granovic will go this window. Turnbull will go in the summer along with a couple others, and we go again. So be interesting to see how that plays out. The one the one thing I would say, though, the only reason why I think Turnbull might not necessarily go in the summer is that I think we all agree that McCarthy need to get chair out the door sooner rather than later, whether it's this window or the summer. Um, I don't think Abelgaard's going to be kept on because I, I don't think he's done anything either. Yeah. So that's three central midfielders out the door. Can you really afford to let a fourth one go before you bring in some more? I don't. I'm not saying he's going to go early. I'm saying like if he's only going to have 12 months left on his contract in the summer, Liam, and yeah. you're losing three already, and then mm. you've got him with 12 months to go, his price drops. So either we sign him up, ah, right, or right, we have we either sign him up or we have to sell him. Aye, you're right, at that right, point. Right, you're at that point. So either we extend him in the next six months. If we don't extend him in the next six months, he has to be sold in the summer. That's There's no real reason for it. And Andrew probably back yeah. himself and be like, yeah, if I get that, then we'll go. But at the same time, I don't want to – I don't actually think – I'm not sure if he should go because I said I don't think he suits the way we play per se. But at the end of the day, Turnbull was one of the first names on that sheet last season, first half of the season when Ange first come in. And mm. – run himself absolutely ragged till he got injured. So I think knowing Ange and what he looks for in a player, he respects that sort of endeavour. Yeah. So I think the fact that he's gone and done that for Ange will actually mean a lot to Ange as a manager, even though people can say he's a bit cold. And I definitely think that, um, you know, going back to last season, Ange was able to do something that Lenny definitely wasn't able to do, which was to have both Turnbull and Rogic in the same 11 at the same time mm. and work effectively. And so I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's uh, out the door just yet. 
Yep, fair enough. Last thing though, we'll go to, we always, on our podcast, so on the Celtic Down Under podcast, we always end our podcast with a final thought. So it's just some random thought, has no particular rhyme or reason, it can be anything for us. I'm just letting you guys know that. So when we finish the pod that way in a couple of minutes, you don't go, what the <laughs> heck are these idiots on about? So that's what that is. But if you do like what we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at Celtic Down. You can find us on YouTube and on the podcast apps, Celtic Down Under. Easy enough to find. We're just look for the Our Boxing Kangaroo logo. It's in the top corner of the screen. Appreciate being involved, part of the Axon Weekender. The last topic before we do our final thoughts is we need to talk about why Ange Postacoglu is the greatest man in the history of the world. Um, you know, gets out there helping people's cars when they're bogged and sprays an Aberdeen scumbag fan for calling him some dodgy stuff um, Yeah, when he was signing autographs. So, Shane, why is Ange the, be- the greatest man in the history of the world? What a man. What a man. It's because he's Australian uh, he just, and he's from our hometown. He, exactly. That's that's exactly right. He He's from Melbourne. He loves Australia. That's all you need to know. He, he simply, he simply, and I'm going to be biased, of course, he doesn't put a foot wrong. The, the, I, literally, the last sort of thing that he's, that I'd say, oh, Ange, you shouldn't have done that, what, when he made a whole bunch of changes against St Mirren. Fellow just doesn't put a foot wrong. Um, you know, he's very... He, he, look, he's very direct. He's very blunt, but you know exactly where you stand with him. Um, he loves the club. He loves the supporters. He loves his players, and he just wants to see this project excel. Not for himself. It's not all about personal gain or anything about that. It's just about delivering for for the fans. And um, you know, we're all excited about when we get the little media bites. You know, when he's in the press conference and you hear a little question, he's like, oh, yeah, shouldn't have said that. Here he comes. And it's delivered with such such a kind of ease. It, it's cutting. It's it's direct. It's pretty it's like, hurtful for it's whoever's like when on your the parents, other end, but it's just so blunt. <laughs> it's like when your parents say, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. It's like that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> it, it's that exactly. sort of thing. Exactly. And and he always, you know, he always chucks mate in there. And if you're Australian, mate can mean one of two things. And uh, sometimes it's not a nice thing. So yeah. um, no, he's he's an, he's just a, if I can use an Australian turn of phrase, he's an absolute ripper of a bloke. If you want me to list off all the reasons why he's amazing, we're we're going to be pushing other people out of this uh, charity weekend. Uh, we'll extend this podcast way too long. Yep, hundred yeah. percent. I would just add that Ange embodies every sort of positive stereotype that a Scottish person like me who's never been to Australia has of Australians. <laughs> Personable, takes no crap from anybody, speaks his mind, is a man of the people, he's a he's an honest human being, and he just he just embodies everything that's good about Australia and everything that's good about Celtic. So there you go. And, you know, if I can step in for just a second, Jared, just because it's one of the first things I remember he did when, when he signed for Celtic and it was one of the earliest matches that he took charge from and I think we beat Dundee and beat them pretty well. And there was this, it wasn't even footage of it, I don't think, but there was a photo of him meeting a fan in a wheelchair after the match and this was long after the match had finished and he sat sat there with them, chatted to them and went through things and, and people were were just taken aback by how affable he was and how much time that that's Ange to a T. Like if you chat to him, you see all the photos, 
he he doesn't shirk people coming up and saying hi and wanting a photo. He 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 loves interacting with people. And but that story, it just going on what Liam said about how he embodies everything that he thinks an Australian man <laughs> uh, is. That it that embodies that story about sitting down with the fan in the wheelchair and going through things with them and giving them just that time of day after after that match embodies everything that Ange is all about. Sorry, Jared, no, I've cut you off, mate. All good. Now, Kaiser in the comments, Australia's green and white. Absolutely bloody lootly, mate. We'll mm-hmm. um, we'll go our final thoughts. We'll get out of here. Thanks, everyone. Before we do, please download the charity, the single. Help get us to the goal for today for St. Mary's. Great cause. And, yeah, Liam, what's your final thought? Be kind this Christmas. Teach a Rangers fan to sing the soldier song. <laughs> Shane Two, very quickly thank you for having me as part of this it's been a pleasure to be involved everyone download that absolutely cracking tune uh, and donate if you can it's absolutely a fantastic cause Tom Rogic starts for West Brom gets an assist he's starting to find his feet good on you Tom my one final thought is if you're in a um, I know it's tough over there with the weather how bad it is at the moment but if you get the chance, get out in nature, even if it's for 10 minutes a day. It's good for the soul. It's good for you. Really enjoyed today out with my family and that. Happy days. Hail, hail, everyone, and thanks for having us.